thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is That Paleo Show with your hosts, Stephanie Wozalik, Dr. Yana James, and Dr. Brett Hill. that paleo show making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone i'm stephanie wazalik i'm dr yana james and i'm dr brett hill today our guest on the show is claire yates of indie nature i'm sorry claire i forgot to ask you if that's how you pronounce your name yes correct 100% okay correct. <laughs> all right i'm gonna start again because i wanted to make sure that i had that right okay 12 18 <laughs> that <laughs> Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Stephanie Wozlick. I'm Dr. Diana James. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. Today, our guest on the show is Claire Yates of Indie Nature. Now, I've spoken, I've never actually spoken to Claire before, but she seems like the kind of person that all of us want to be friends with. Yeah. Her blog is fantastic, very honest and encouraging, and she just has a very obvious passion for health and life. After studying to be a nutritionist and recovering from an eating disorder, Claire continued to struggle with sugar cravings and realized that there was still a missing piece of the puzzle. Finally, after discovering paleo, she was able to manage those cravings and have a deeper understanding of health. Now she's a nutritional medicine practitioner who focuses on evolutionary health. As a self-declared paleo and health nut, barefoot runner, heavy lifter, and a lover of life, food, and good coffee, I think we all have a lot to learn from Claire's journey, so I'm extremely pleased to welcome Claire Yates to the show. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure being here. And thanks for coming, Claire. Um, now, I only briefly touched on your story in the introduction, but would you like to give our listeners kind of the longer version so they can understand where you've come from? Sure, absolutely. Um, well, look, it's it's one of those stories that I think is perhaps all too common, but um, a lot of people don't actually tend to talk about it. Between around the ages of 15, um, I actually developed an eating disorder um, and it was one of those things that obviously you know when you start doing sort of all that healing work in and around eating disorders, it's generally not actually about um, food. It ends up sort of being more of a, a, a control thing. Um, so, yeah, between the ages of 15 and 17, I was actually quite um, quite bad. Um, it ended up being, you guys wouldn't know this, um, but I'm actually six foot tall. So, um, and I was that height at 15. Um, and so I very much got treated like an adult um, instantly. And I really was just an insecure um, little 15-year-old girl. I was still a girl. Um, and I was kind of a bit on the chubby side and I don't know what happened. I, I, I got into sort of doing a bit of exercise and, and losing a bit of weight. And obviously I was in encouraged and you know looking great and fabulous and all the rest of it um and then it kind of switched over to to a dark side where um where you know I, I don't know what what happens exactly but it was a bit of a a trigger for a control mechanism for me um but what I actually found was um and, and this is obviously through therapy that I found this out that the more fragile um I looked I actually got treated like 
the 15 year old girl that I wanted to be and not like an adult who could shoulder the world. Um, so that kind of is where that stemmed from. And, um, and I ended up in treatment and never actually really dealt with it um, to, a, to a certain extent. I got to a point where I put on weight um, and pretty much stopped seeing my, um, my psychiatrist and it was all done and dusted and yes, I'm fine, moved on. Um, and yeah, it really just the next, um, you know, 20 odd years was just a case of replacing one addiction with another. So, um, you know, I ended up moving away from home and then there was a long period of sort of, um, that whole partying heart. Um, so, you know, that, that was another, another way of, of dealing with my problems as such. Um, and then it kind of went from one thing to another. So whether I was, you know, like literally addicted to coffee or, or partying or, or even exercise at one point, um, I never actually really dealt with my problems. Um, and then when I actually came back to, to study natural therapies, um, lo and behold, I ended up back in treatment again because all of a sudden I was clean as in, I, I wasn't using any, um, coping mechanisms to escape from life. And, um, all of a sudden my eating disorder is bang smack in my face again. So, um, so I ended up back in treatment, but actually did the hard yards this time, um, and, and sorted out where everything was coming from. And I think as, as I wrote about in one blog post, I, an eating disorder never leaves you. If anyone says that to you, they, I, I think they're kidding. Um, it's like being a, <clears throat> a recovering alcoholic. It's that kind of thing that pops up in your mind where you feel like things in your world are kind of spiraling a little bit out of control. Um, and yeah, so I studied natural therapy, studied nutrition, um, <clears throat> got got the love for for actually understanding why food is so good for you, rather than looking at it <laughs> as as you know, well, I only want to eat X amount of calories today, so I'll have a piece of lettuce and coffee. You know, that's just yeah, um, yeah. yeah you know. So actually learning what happens in your body, how good food is for you, you know, how it sustains you, how it nourishes you. Um, <clears throat> but then, lo and behold, I, I, I'm studying and obviously, um, I don't know about you guys, but towards the end of my study, I would have to put my hand up and, and admit that there were things like Skittles and Red Bull being consumed to get me through, <laughs> yeah. to, to get me through the end of it. Um, and it was kind of always in the back of my head, that's okay. I'm a nutritionist. I'll deal with it when I get out, you know, when I'm out and I'm in the big bad world, it'll be fine. Um, but then I still realized that, my goodness, I can't walk down the lolly aisle of coals without like giant Fredo frogs calling my name, um, you know, or seeing clients and, and getting them out the door so that I could eat, you know, my little muffin or, or whatever it was. And I'm like, this, what is going on here? Like, there's just... I can't control my eating, so how am I meant to tell someone else to control their eating? Yeah. Um, and then I managed to, I, I truly don't know how, but about two and a half years ago, I, I stumbled across paleo and started reading and reading and reading. And obviously, Rob Wolf was, was one of my first um, mm -hmm. books and podcasts. And I was like, wow, okay, science is good, really like this. Um, and then, you know, did the whole N equals one experiment on myself mm. and sat back in amazement and went, oh my goodness, I, like, I don't have this problem with sugar anymore. This is amazing. 
Um, so yeah, so so that's me. And so then I had to I had to make the commitment to um, to only sort of want to see um, paleo orientated clients, um, and and really just want to help people um, understand what's going on with them. Cool. Yeah, awesome. That's an oh, awesome, awesome story, Claire. Wicked, wicked, wicked. Hey, um, one question I've got for you, Claire. I'm really interested in your um your study as a nutritionist. Were, were you at all paleo at that stage? And, no. And, oh, sorry. Yes. That's all right. And, and so, how did you find the study? Like, how did you find the information that was presented to you? And and how do you look back on that now, having gone paleo? Well, I'd have to say, um, when I did stumble across paleo, um, one of the biggest um, I guess like conflictions within me was I was sitting there going. None of this is what I studied. None of this is what I studied. This is completely opposite to what I studied. I remember uh, a, um, a lecturer standing up there explaining to us that uh, that anyone who follows even a remotely low-carb diet is putting nails in their coffin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was, you know, and again, coming from that, that natural therapies aspect, um, it, it's still kind of rooted in that um, veganism, vegetarian type um, philosophy to, to, this, to the extent where in my first year I came home preaching to my husband about, you know, how amazing um, vegetarianism is and he said to me, fantastic, well, if, if you think that in four years' time you're going to be, um, you know, providing your clients with this kind of diet, we need to do it. And I said, okay, fantastic, let's do it. So we did um, – well, I, I sorry, I forgot to mention I actually grew up predominantly vegetarian as well, um, um, but had reintroduced um, bits and pieces of, of meat. So we so we went um, vegetarian but also um, uh, gluten-free. Um, for, we were going to do it for six months. And um, I remember at the time I actually went into the student clinic and um, wrote down my diet. I remember the student uh, practitioner saying to me, wow, your diet's perfect. Like, you know, I wish everyone would be like you and, and all the rest of it. And literally we were sending my husband with, with pails of food to get him through the day at work because he just was eating constantly because he was always crash and burn, crash and burn, crash wow. and burn. Um, and he had been the sickest he had ever been during that time. Um, like I said, we were meant to last six months and at the four-month period um, he just turned it to me one night and he said, we've got to go get some meat. <laughs> and, I said, and I said to him, I'm, I'm with you, like we've got to go and get some meat. Um, so, yeah, no, big learning curve in the last two and a half years. Um, it, it has moved. But in saying that, wh- where I studied, um, uh, there is a lot more sort of paleo actually coming into to, um, to that area now, which is really um, fantastic to see. So, um, but certainly at the time when I went through, um, it was very much um, the, the plant-based diet sort of uh, ruled. So I had to relearn a lot of a lot of things. Yeah, fascinating. Mm. Um, I just want to step back a little bit. You were talking about when you found paleo um, that solved your sugar cravings, and yes, I, I would love to delve into that because I know when I found paleo. Um, I was going through quite a big control phase of my life and so I cut out a heap of um, sugars and things. Mm -hmm. Um, But since 
uh, doing that, I, I actually had, did a course that was um, where people were eating vegetarian food and that's all we were able to eat for the weekend. And as soon as I started having the carbs, even though they were, you know, um, grains and – or not grains, sorry, beans and potatoes and so supposedly safe, safe starches, as soon as start, I started doing that, I found I had sugar cravings come back again. And um, I'm finding it quite difficult to – get back into that place without going to the control freak stage of where I was in that mentality before. So I'm just interested, was it, do you, do you still have fruit or dried fruit? Cause I know that that's something that I sort of kid myself into thinking is okay, but I know for <laughs> me, it then sets me up to want sugar for a longer period of time following that. Can you comment to that? Or? Yeah. I mean, I, I know that I've, I've read some blog posts where, where people um, think that, you know, once you start introducing fat into your diet, um, your sugar cravings just miraculously disappear. I actually think it really is a, a two pronged approach where you, need to start recognizing your triggers um, yeah. and, and you really actually need to start looking at your emotional connection with food and figure out why you're doing it um, and and really understand that that aspect as well but in saying that it's about fi finding kind of like that sweet spot for you um, so it's about you know really playing around with your ratios of real food I mean I hate looking at things in terms of fats carbs and proteins mm. but um, kind of you know playing around with those sort of um, you know, macronutrients until you get what's right for you so that I like to say to people that if you can comfortably eat three meals a day, you're not wanting to snack, you're not wanting to crave little bits and pieces. And then, you know, if you do have one of those cravings come up, before you do anything about it and before you even reach for the coconut oil to, to try and squash that craving, sit and recognise why it came about, how it came about, and have a bit of a think about the mechanisms behind that first before you straight away go to a mechanical trigger to try and fix it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, love, I love that, Claire. And, and I found, um, you know, one of the things I did relatively recently was was doing a intermittent fast. Yeah. Um, and, and from reading a, an e-book that I read about that, and they encourage you to do that, to just sort of to notice as you're going through that fast, you know, what those feelings that come up and what those emotions that come up. And I found it really fascinating because, you know, I found that, you know, there were certain times where it was just literally the time of day. Like it was the time of day where otherwise I would normally eat and that would sort of trigger me to think, oh, maybe I'm hungry. Or it would just be certain situations or certain emotions or, you know, it was really fascinating just to sort of sit with that for a while and go, okay, well, yeah, I'm feeling as if I'm hungry, but am I really hungry? Like what is the actual thing that's going on in my body um, and it sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about yeah and I think um you know I, I know there are a lot of people out there that talk about the fact that you know food is just fuel um and and I understand that and and I appreciate the fact that um you know yes food should be used as nourishment and not as um rewards and and those sorts of things you know I'm, I'm not really a fan of cheat days and things like that I think it's silly to get into the the um process of, of rewarding behavior um but I think we need to take a little bit of a step back from that and and people we've we've lost such contact with our intuitive feelings that um it's really quite an amazing thing when you get people to you know do things like starting to keep a food diary and starting to think about the reasons why they eat and and bringing that awareness back um so you do that coupled with you know a much higher fat um content in your diet and you'll see some amazing turnarounds for sure yeah. Can you just, as an example, right, can you just talk someone through that process of my, what might be going on in your head when you're like, oh, I really just want to, you know, have some chocolate or whatever. What, how would you approach that in your head then? 
dealing with the, the emotional side of things? So I would sit there and, and start to think about, so what is it about the chocolate that I'm actually wanting? Am I wanting, am I having an energy slump? Am I actually really hungry? What has just been happening to me in the last one hour, two hours? Or you know what? For me, it can even be a couple of days. I've, I've noticed that I have this thing which is almost like um, a, a post-stress and um, I have a bit of a come down when I've had sort of two days prior of, of, say, like a massive stressful event. And then I'll be sitting there and I'll be thinking, what's happened lately? What's happened? What's happened? Okay, I'm not hungry. I'm, I'm really not hungry. Um, you know, I, I don't need a sugar pick-me-up. What is going on? And I'll sit there and I'll go, oh, that's right, you know, two days ago, this happened, that happened, completely understand it, okay, no worries. And then I still might go and have some some coconut oil or, you know, something like that. But honestly, it, that that connection to going, that's right, that's what it was, something just sort of dissipates and you go, okay, I can move through this, this is fine. It's not actually something that I, I don't have to reach for that piece of chocolate. Um, but you know, then you can also throw into the mix that, but then if the chocolate that you're reaching for is 95%, you're not going to get that sugar rush from what you would have done from the, the horrible milky chocolate back <laughs> in the day. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of like a bit, it's even still a bit of a win-win if you're going to have a piece of the 95% chocolate, I don't really see a problem with that. Um, and you're not getting that, that sugar connection that you would have been if you were having the, the milk chocolate. So yeah. Does that help? Mm, yeah, I absolutely right. love that, Claire, because seriously, I'm, I'm a wellness coach. I don't think I told you that before, but that is the number one thing that people struggle with. And I absolutely love that dialogue. I'll definitely be using that. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah that sounds great. Now, um, on the show here, we really try to present paleo as a framework of foods and lifestyle choices. And I know that's kind of how you feel about it as well. And something on your blog that really resonated with me was kind of talking about obsessive behavior like food patterns sort of thing and and you mentioned that that's really prevalent as well in the paleo world so can you kind of let us know about some of the problems that you see in the paleo community and with with that obsessive behavior and how maybe people can avoid that yeah, I, I think it's um, one of those things where it's very easy to to get caught behind the veil of, well, I'm just clean eating or, or you know, I'm just I'm, I'm following strict paleo for a while or I'm doing a, a um, you know, a 30 day challenge or whatever it is that you want to do. But once you my, my big thing in it as well, and, and again, it, I keep harping on it because I keep coming back to being a holistic practitioner, which means I take into account your environment as well. And if you are then not going out with your friends and you're not socializing with your family and you're not having sort of positive, meaningful interaction with the people around you with community, with the world, because you have this rigid food philosophy that just will not break. I'm a big believer in the stress of doing that to yourself is 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 far outweighing you possibly going a little bit off-road and, and having something that might not be as clean as you normally would eat. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so I think this, this sets up this whole perpetual um, cycle happening um, with, uh, you guys have probably heard of the term orthorexia being yeah. bandied around now, yeah. But where, maybe you could, sorry, yeah, explain it for people. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it's pretty much just, uh, you know, the concept of um, you you have literally an eating disorder, but it's it's 
it's encased in the I only eat clean foods, I only eat, you know, this type of protocol, whatever it is, but you just do not budge from that. Um, and if you do budge from that, it causes you that much excessive stress um, on your body. So you literally, you are just dealing with an eating disorder. And the thing that I found, and especially prevalent, um, obviously, you know, at the start of the year where you've got New Year's resolutions and things like that, is that the social media just gets so bombarded with it. And I'm reading these blogs and honestly, it's just like my, my brain is just frying because it's, it's bringing up like the 17 year old me. And I'm, I'm sitting there wanting to like scream at people, you have an eating disorder. Like, you know, it's, it's just, let it go, (laughs) you know, just, just relax a little bit. When, when your food starts to control you and how you live your life, that's when I think you've got a problem. And, um, yeah, I think think that brings up a sort of a tricky balance as well, though, Claire, like I think there's kind of, there's the two, I guess, ends of the spectrum, you know, and one of those is that, um, you know, we're, we're getting too controlling and that's adversely affecting our health. And then the other end of the spectrum is we're sort of saying, well, you know, I've got to live in this society and, and we're sort of allowing a lot of excuses to come in as well. Yep. Um, yep. And so, and there's kind of people, I think a lot of people are bouncing backwards and forwards between those two. Like, how do we find that happy medium between the two? Yeah, it's a good point. And, and it, you absolutely hit, hit the nail on the head. About you want to sit in the middle of that and not keep swinging from extremes. Mm. So you know, I, I always say to people, if you if you do feel that you know all of a sudden all of these little you know paleo sneaky treats and things like that are starting to sneak into your world or or whatever, absolutely do a reset. You know, cut some of that stuff out. Get back to sort of clean, real foods. But you don't need to start counting macronutrients or calories or you know anything like that. It's it's so. Don't don't sway to the extreme, but yeah, rein it in and 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 start having some more clean foods. And you know, you do that for a week or so, and you start going, "Wow, I really miss that." You know, like I I really miss those those green juices or whatever it is that I was having. And it's about just trying to find that balance. Um, you know, and again, for everyone, it's different. So um, you've got to take into account everyone's um, you know lifestyle conditions. I, I work with some people who who um, are on night shift. So, you know, they're never going to have a, a proper balance in their life, but you can only work with within the realms of, of what they can deal with. So um, it's hard, though. Yeah, just don't try and swing to extremes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we always talk about doing things in small steps as well. So not just jumping right in and trying to do everything all at once because that's not sustainable and it ends up being kind of obsessive and fringe I guess if you do that I'm a big fan of sort of um, gentle transitioning where it works for particular people you know you'll get some people that just love that okay got to go cold turkey it's an all-or-nothing approach Um, but I do find that a lot a lot more people do respond from a little bit more of a a gentle approach and making little mini changes and mini changes and mini changes and then six months time you look back and go wow that's where I started off and this is where I am now so Yeah, I always use the example of the Great Pyramids when I talk about that because one block at a time, then you end up with something magnificent. So exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. Yep. 
Yeah, and I think also um, from going through this journey myself as well, I think we fail sometimes, sometimes to recognise how far we've come. Yes. So I think it's also good to reflect on what you, you know, if you're having one of those challenging times to reflect on exactly how much you've changed in the last year or five years or whatever it has been since you were, like for me, you know, drinking soft drinks and eating pizzas and things. It's a massive difference. So that, that's another, that speaks to being gentle and kind to yourself too, doesn't it? Yeah, and again, it's just about not sweating the, the small stuff. You know, if, if you do happen to have a bit of a binge or whatever, it's it's not the, it, you know, it's not your opportunity to then throw it all in. Like you said, just reflect on how far you've actually come and dust yourself off and keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I was loving what you are saying before, Claire, about the, the addictive personality and about the orthorexia and, and all those various other addictions that we can sort of go through on that journey. Um, I've just been reading a book at the moment called The Addictive Personality uh, by mm. a guy called Craig. I don't even know how to say his last name. I think it's Nakin. Um, I don't know if you've come across that one, but it's an no. awesome book. But it, it really delves into some of that stuff you were talking about, about, you know, kind of the reasons behind the addiction and, and actually dealing with, you know, not just the addiction, but actually the the kind of the reason you're doing that and what you what you're actually gaining from it because there's always something you're gaining by doing that yeah. um, and so, so I think that's really important to try and delve into well what is it that I'm getting out of it like what am I why am I doing this and obviously for you it was that that feeling of you know vulnerability and people coming in and looking after you um, yeah. and, and for everyone it's probably something a little bit different but I think that's a really important thing to, to delve into See, and again, I mean, not 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 knocking, um, you know, sort of like our, our mainstream um, medical practice because they do an amazing job. Um, but you know, back when I was seventeen, that's all that happened to me. I, I was fixed superficially. I started eating food. I started putting on weight, and it was like, okay, well, you're free to go. Nothing was actually fixed. Mm. Nothing was fixed. I was simply doing what I was told and ate enough to get out of there. Um, and you know, and then it took me and another 15, 17 years down the track before I actually really fixed what was going on. Um, and again, for me, that comes back to naturopathic principle, you know, find the root cause of what's going on um, whilst kind of taking care of the symptoms, but keep looking for what is what is really, really going on there. Yeah, awesome. So along that journey then, when you kind of found paleo, what and, and, you know, with working your, with your clients as well, what would you say the top kind of recommendations or the most important things to take away are? Oh, you know what? People hate me always for this. Um, <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> Good one. Turn off your devices. You know, we try and switch everything off from about 8 o'clock at night, start winding down in bed by 9, asleep by 9.30. You know, I, I keep saying to people, it's the simple things that you just don't think are going to work, make the most massive change. Really, it has nothing to do with diet. If you get the most amount of sleep that you possibly can, interact with loved ones in the community and I keep saying to them um, talking to them on Facebook does not count um, and you know um, getting your feet in the dirt really it's you know and then food comes food comes after that nice and I want to touch on that a little bit you said getting your feet in the dirt because I, I do notice that you're a barefoot runner as well Claire I'm, I'm I'm doing some barefoot running at the moment I'm actually doing a fundraiser at the moment I'm going to run I the 12 saw. kilometer city to bay in Adelaide without any shoes on so people yeah. are interested in that they can check that out on our page but that is got, awesome what got you into barefoot running Claire 
Yeah, um, well, I've actually got patella tracking problems um, and my entire existence I've never been able to run. Um, whacked on a pair of Vibrams and completely changed my running style and lo and behold, no pain in the knees. Um, <laughs> so it's completely amazing. And look, I've got to put my hand up and say I'm, I'm a cheeky Vibrams wearer. Um, so I wouldn't say I'm completely barefoot, but my husband, my husband is, is, is Vibram Sands. He's, he's full on, no, no, nice. no shoes. Yeah. Nice. So uh, he, he's actually known in our suburb as the crazy man that runs with no shoes on. So. <laughs> yeah, cool. Very cool. Oh, I like it. Now I noticed in the background and um, we had a little chat beforehand, but I noticed some little, uh, noises coming from where you're <laughs> sitting at the moment. Do you want to tell our listeners where you are and why that is? Uh, I'm in a, a lovely room in our house that is heated to 30 degrees. Um, so in winter, it's a lovely place to sit in. Um, and it's actually the place where, at the moment, we're breeding crickets. So, <laughs> um, and again, I've got to give my husband credit for this one. Um, November, I think it was about November last year, we went to Melbourne um, and we ended up in the Melbourne Museum one day and um, we were in the, the gift shop area and he picked up this little box of um, like flavoured crickets and um, he's like, okay, come on, like double dare you, you need to have one of these with me. And I'm like, okay, no worries, I can do that. And um, uh, truly tasty. Um, and he came home and he just kept thinking about it and thinking about it, thinking about it and, um, sort of got really fascinated by it. And, um, we ended up getting our first lot of crickets, um, that were from a pet store because they were reptile food <laughs> and, um, and ended up feeding them kale and, and different sort of bits of vegetables and, and bits and pieces. And, um, he read up all about, you know, their, their breeding cycles and how it all happens and, all the rest of it and um sort of lo and behold you know six seven months down the track just turn around and see we've got two four six eight eight um tubs that have got in in different cycles of, of sort of breeding programs and um we've had our first lot of babies that are sort of tiny little pinheads and there's thousands of them i've got a a link actually on on facebook um of uh, that i took of the little babies um and yeah look roast them in the oven, you know, stir fries, whatever. They're actually really, really tasty. I reckon that's classic. This is like, you just dared me, Claire. This is like, I'm going to have to give it a go. And this is not good because he's been brewing kombucha now for a couple months and he's obsessed with it. So now he's going to be obsessed with crickets and I'm not sure that we can have crickets in the practice. Of course we can. We just won't tell him we're eating them. Yeah, we're the same. We've been brewing kombucha for about two years now um completely obsessed with it um and look you know breeding crickets doesn't come with its its um mishaps you know i was saying to my husband one day i said to him look there there were like two crickets in the bedroom he's going no you didn't see that like no 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 it just must have come outside <laughs> and then another five later and i said to him no seriously they're getting out from somewhere. So we've had a couple of escapees. <laughs> escapees. But I tell you guys, when, when we do our next batch, um, we'll roast some up and we'll send them to you and you must all promise to try them. I'm awesome. definitely going to try them. I'm definitely going to try them. I've read up on it before. They're pretty high fat, aren't they? They're like a... No, no, no. no, no. Not, 
predominantly protein. Oh. The, only, the only thing that people do need to be aware of, though, is literally they are um, like the crustaceans of the earth. So if you've got a, cell, a, a shellfish allergy, um, you can't eat crickets. So, yeah. And, and truly, truly, that's how my husband sells it to people. Like he, he'll say to them, look, do you have a problem eating prawns or lobster or whatever? And everyone's like, no. He said, well, like crickets are just like the land version. That's... So, you know, it's just about getting over our Western concept of, of what we think food is. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, I'd love to share it with you guys. It's awesome. It's a little passion of ours at the moment. So. Definitely going to give it a go, Claire. Yep. So, hey, just before you wrap up, I just want to remind our listeners, we when this episode goes live, it'll actually be the week before our Wellness Summit in Melbourne, which is going to be just awesome. We're going to have some great speakers there, uh, the Wellness Guys, the Up for Chat Girls. We've got Alan Savore is going to be there. Um, and we mentioned barefoot running before, but Kim and I are actually going to be doing a barefoot running workshop the morning after the Melbourne Summit as well. So if people want to get along to that, they can check that out on our page too. So awesome. Just wanted yeah, to I... in there. It's going to be fun. Yeah, no, no, no. I think um, the more people that learn the proper technique for barefoot running, the better for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, just to finish off, everyone, you can visit Claire's website and that's indynature.com, I-N-D-I nature.com. And she'll also have a newsletter sign up there as well. So if you want to kind of keep in touch and hear what Claire's been up to, you can sign up for that on her website. And Claire, do you want to maybe tell us about your most recent endeavor? Certainly, certainly. It's been a it's been a long time in the making. By the time it comes out, it would have been twelve months that I've been working on it. But um, exciting! I'm actually got a book coming out. So oh, um, yeah, so it's all going to be on um, on obviously paleo for health, but you know, sort of for, for long term health. But again, going back to naturopathic principle, very much looking at it from a holistic perspective. So treating everyone as an, an individual and taking into account all of their environment and lifestyle factors as well. But of course, there's um, 100 odd recipes in there as well of, of sort of like my favourite foods so yeah I can't wait to bring Including it to you guys crickets? Yeah, is there a cricket recipe? No there isn't, there isn't <laughs> but we'll, ha- we'll have to do a um, we'll have to do a rerun but I'm, t- I'm telling you guys I'll, I'll, we will send you some crickets and then we'll do a follow up blog post on what you guys thought of them all Done. I'm so scared <laughs> I'm excited. I am. I grew up in Malaysia, so, you know, there's all sorts of weird things I'm sure I've eaten and haven't known. This is the only reason why I didn't go on the TV show Survivor. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I'm sorry, Claire. We're out of time for today. That was a wonderful chat. I'm I'm so excited that you're able to come on. But for our listeners, until next week, check us out on Facebook, share your story, and help to grow the Paleo tribe worldwide. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Damien Christoph from The Wellness Guys here. The biggest wellness event in Australia is fast approaching and we want to see you there. The Wellness Summit's coming up and it's on Saturday, August the 17th at Crown Melbourne featuring guest speakers David Gillespie, author of Sweet Poison and Big Fat Lies. Also, holistic dentist Dr. Ron Ehrlich from The Good Doctors and my Wellness Guys teammates, of course. The Up For A Chat girls and many more. Tickets are just $147 for this 10-hour event. So go to www.thewellnesssummit.com to book and for more information. See you there.
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.